Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk podcast. This is Nancy McCrady. Welcome to the series Summer Readings. This is going to go throughout the next many, many episodes. And I will refer to many of the books that I have read, I am still reading, and any new ones that I might come across. So, let's enjoy summer readings together and let God sober us, awaken us, prepare and mature us for the days in which we live, that we might, as many of those that we have revered and respected over the ages, that we too might fall into that category of person who simply loved the Father and obeyed Him and lived out Christ as life. Love you all, my friends. Here we go. Summer Readings 2023. All right, here we are. Summer Readings 3.0. And probably you're listening to this on Monday. And it's the first Monday of June. And I am still in Germany. And we are reading and continuing to read uh, chapter one uh, in Life Together by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. And it's quite a chapter. And, you know, I just want to say I don't know that I plan on reading the entire book uh, in one setting, but uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to get through probably at least uh, the first two chapters. But today, I am just going to read the next section, and I'm picking up right where I left off on our previous episode. And this section of chapter one is called Through and in Jesus Christ. So here we go. Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this. Whether it be a brief single encounter or the daily fellowship of years, Christian community is only this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. What does this mean? It means first that a Christian needs others because of Jesus Christ. It means second that a Christian comes to others only through Jesus Christ. It means, third, that in Jesus Christ we have been chosen from eternity, accepted in time, and united for eternity. First, the Christian is the man who no longer seeks his salvation, his deliverance, his justification in himself, but in Jesus Christ alone. He knows that God's word in Jesus Christ pronounces him guilty, even when he does not feel his guilt, and God's word in Jesus Christ pronounces him not guilty and righteous, even when he does not feel that he is righteous at all. The Christian no longer lives of himself by his own claims and his own justification, but by God's claims and God's justification. He lives wholly by God's word pronounced upon him whether that word declares him guilty or innocent. The death and the life of the Christian is not determined by his own resources, 
Rather, he finds both only in the word that comes to him from the outside in God's word to him. The reformers expressed it this way. Our righteousness is an alien righteousness, a righteousness that comes from outside of us. They were saying that the Christian is dependent on the word of God spoken to him. He is pointed outward to the word that comes to him. The Christian lives wholly by the truth of God's word in Jesus Christ. If somebody asks him, where is your salvation, your righteousness? Well, he can never point to himself. He points to the word of God in Jesus Christ, which assures him salvation and righteousness. He is as alert as possible to this word. Because he daily hungers and thirsts for righteousness, he daily desires the redeeming word, and it can come only from the outside. In himself, he is destitute and dead. Help must come from the outside, and it has come and comes daily and anew in the word of Jesus Christ, bringing redemption, righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. But God has put this word into the mouth of men in order that it may be communicated to other men. When one person is struck by the word, he speaks it to others. God has willed that we should seek and find his living word in the witness of a brother in the mouth of man. Therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother, man, as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. And that also clarifies the goal of all Christian community. They meet one another as bringers of the message of salvation. As such, God permits them to meet together and gives them community. Their fellowship is founded solely upon Jesus Christ and this alien righteousness. All we can say, therefore, is the community of Christians springs solely from the biblical and reformation message of the justification of man through grace alone. This alone is the basis of the longing of Christians for one another. Second, a Christian comes to others only through Jesus Christ. Among men there is strife. He is our peace, says Paul of Jesus Christ in Ephesians 2.14. Without Christ there is discord between God and man and between man and man. Christ became the mediator and made peace with God and among men. Without Christ, we should not know God, and we could not call upon him nor come to him. But without Christ, we also would not know our brother, nor could we come to him. The way is blocked by our own ego. Christ opened up the way to God and to our brother. Now Christians can live with one another in peace. They can love and serve one another. They can become one. But they can continue to do so only by way of Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ are we one. Only through him are we bound together. To eternity he remains the one mediator.
Third, when God's Son took on flesh, He truly and bodily took on, out of pure grace, our being, our nature, ourselves. This was the eternal counsel of the triune God. Now we are in Him. Where He is, there we are too, in the Incarnation, on the cross, and in His resurrection. We belong to Him because we are in Him. That is why the Scriptures call us the body of Christ. But if, before we could know and wish it, we have been chosen and accepted with the whole church in Jesus Christ, then we also belong to Him in eternity with one another. We who live here in fellowship with Him will one day be with Him in eternal fellowship. He who looks upon his brother should know that he will be eternally united with him in Jesus Christ. Christian community means community through and in Jesus Christ. On this presumption rests everything that the scriptures provide in the way of directions and precepts for the communal life of Christians. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. God himself has undertaken to teach brotherly love, that all men can add to it. It is to remember this divine instruction and the admonition to excel in it more and more. When God was merciful when he revealed Jesus Christ to us as our brother, when he won our hearts by his love. This was the beginning of our instruction in divine love. When God was merciful to us, we learned to be merciful with our brethren. When we received forgiveness instead of judgment, we too were made ready to forgive our brethren. What God did to us, we then owed to others. The more we received, the more we were able to give, and the more meager our brotherly love the less were we living by God's mercy and love. Thus God himself taught us to meet one another as God has met us in Christ. Romans 15, 7 says, Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. In this wise does one, whom God has placed in common life with other Christians, learn what it means to have brothers, brethren in the Lord, Paul calls his congregation in Philippians 1.14. One is a brother to another only through Jesus Christ. I am a brother to another person through what Jesus Christ did for me and to me. The other person has become a brother to me through what Jesus Christ did for him. This fact that we are brethren only through Jesus Christ is of immeasurable significance. Not only the other person who is earnest and devout who comes to me seeking brotherhood, must I deal with in fellowship. My brother is rather that other person who has been redeemed by Christ, delivered from his sin, and called to faith and eternal life. Not what a man is in in himself as a Christian. His spirituality and piety constitutes the basis of our community. What determines our brotherhood is what that man is by reason of Christ. Our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. This is true not merely at the beginning, as though in the course of time something else were to be added to our community. It remains so for all the future and to all eternity. I have community with others, and I shall continue to have it only through Jesus Christ.
the more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede, the more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. We have one another only through Christ, but through Christ we do have one another holy and for all eternity. That dismisses once and for all every glamorous desire for something more. One who wants more than what Christ has established does not want Christian brotherhood. He is looking for some extraordinary social experience which he has not found elsewhere. He is bringing muddled and impure desires into Christian brotherhood. Just at this point, Christian brotherhood is threatened, most often at the very start, by the greatest danger of all, the danger of being poisoned at its root, the danger of confusing Christian brotherhood with some wishful idea of religious fellowship, of confounding the natural desire of the devout heart for community with the spiritual reality of Christian brotherhood. In Christian brotherhood, everything depends upon its being clear right from the beginning. First, that Christian brotherhood is not an ideal, but a divine reality. And second, that Christian brotherhood is a spiritual and not a psychic reality. Ooh, wow, my friends. It got really good right there at the end of that section. You see, the brotherhood, my friends, is not our idea of what we think it's to be. It's a divine reality. We are His body, formed and shaped by Him, connected by Him, birthed by Him. I'm sure you noticed a consistent pattern that everything is because of Jesus Christ. Did you hear it again and again and again? And then I love the second, the very last sentence of the section. This Christian brotherhood, our being brethren, is a spiritual and not a psychic reality. It is not born of the soul. It is born of the spirit. We have been made one with him and with each other only in the spirit. And so this is the basis of the church. And let's be clear that brethren and brotherhood uh, comes out of the uh, Greek word adolphus, which is not a gender word. Uh, It is uh, speaking of all of those who are born of Christ out of that same womb uh, and who have the same calling as sons. So we are brethren, male and female both, and we are placed together by him and because of him. And everything, right, as a Christian is first received and then it is given. We first freely receive, and then we freely give. So the entire way that we come to be the church is because of Him. The whole way we function is because of Him. The whole focus is of Him. Now, it's hard for me to stop here because the next part gets really good. Of course, I I think it just continues to get better and better. But this is where we've got to realize this church is not our idea It is not something that we form in fashion according to our own um, view, right? But that we really begin to let a lot of the religious things break off and we realize He has brought us together. 
And I believe that in every generation, when he begins to form and fashion uh, those local churches, those places and communities, right, where we learn what it really means to be uh, in him and for him, and then to be for each other, because we don't get to just stretch across and touch a person within the body of Christ like they're for us, right? No, they're, they're there because of him, and he placed them near us, and we can only be connected and interact, if you will, because of him and in honor of him. So we don't get to do with people just anything we want. People don't belong to us. They belong to him, and he's put us together. And I don't know if you caught this in, I think, in the 2.0 recording, but it is the absolute privilege for us to be in the company of each other. I mean, I think this has become more real to me, you know, because I consider the body of Christ to be my best friend on the face of the earth. She has only done me good. She has never done me harm, and I plan on returning the favor. The body of Christ, the true, not the religious institutions, not the kingdoms of man, the true body of Christ has been my best friend on the face of the earth, beginning with my mother who led me to Jesus when I was seven, my husband who led me back to Jesus when I was 27, my mentors, those who discipled me, friends who have believed when there was no reason to believe in the future that God had written over my life, people who literally just by their presence and who they are in Christ have been unbelievably encouraging to me in my life. And the deposits that they've made, the doors that have been opened, I mean, it's invaluable, right? It's not that I'm dependent upon them. There's an interdependence. And I pray that I too, uh, over the years, have been a door for others to him, an encouragement to others, right? Because this is a part of who we are to each other. We don't want to be more than what we were meant to be, right? We'll talk about that in the future sections, in the future readings. I don't want to be less than what he's called me to be. I don't want to be an island unto myself. But I also don't want to be trapped in ways that the church has functioned previously, even those things that were of God, because God, my friends, is on the move. And the whole way that he is meaning for the body of Christ to relate today and function has got to come out from old trappings and old structures, right, that are trying to contain God rather than move with him. So I'm going to say again, Zechariah 2.13, silence before God. Something's afoot in his holy house. God is on the move. Zechariah 2.13 from the Message Bible. My friends, we are his holy house. And he is afoot. He is up and moving. And he is forming and shaping us for the hour in which we live. And we must allow him to do with us as he chooses. And as I'm moving among the church in nations, oh my, the people, 
whether that's Iowa, Nebraska, Texas, Oklahoma, Poland, Austria, Germany, I'm getting ready to go to Norway, no matter where this may be, I am having the privilege of moving among the very powerful body of Christ as she is arising right now, as she is coming forward right now in a way that is so, so very amazing. So I want to close out here, and I want to be able to encourage you to seek this out, to hear from him, and to relate with him and others according to his way. So I love you all, and we will talk soon. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.